Good morning. What wonderful words that are words just sung, wonderful, merciful Savior. And we've all hopefully experienced him in that way. I'm talking today about the theme from brokenness to wholeness, the gospel's power to transform. But first of all, I want to thank each of you at East White Oak for hosting the memorial service for my dad, Dr. Bill Barnett. Um, he has six children, and there's three of us here today, uh, Martha McNair, Jim Barnett, and me. And we just want to uh, thank you so much. Your love, your excellence, your service, your sacrifice, your music during the program, your attention to detail, your food, your empathy was beyond anything that I ever expected. And so we appreciate it so much. Second, your loving embrace of my sister, Martha, and my brother-in-law, Steve or Mac, over the last 48 years has been a beautiful thing to behold. As an outgrowth of that loving acceptance, you also accepted my mom and dad when they would come and visit here and treated them like they belonged. Thank you so much. Third, your commitment to take the gospel beyond Carlock, to your communities and to the rest of the world is legendary. It's amazing that you've stuck with it and you're even ramping it up more than ever before. I've really been knowledgeable of uh, some of the missionaries uh, because of my association with Africa Inland Mission, the Nodens, Marcia Strauss, the Orner family, the Dilworth family, Norm Dilworth, some of you knew him, he was one of my best friends. And more recently I've gotten to know Jim and Susan Simmons. Another thing I uh, want to mention is uh, you've trained your congregation in missions not only by teaching the word, you have sent many on short-term mission and they have tasted and seen what the Lord is doing through your missionaries and that bodes well for the future of the missions program of this church. I want to especially thank Pastor Jeff for the excellent overview of uh, missions in Africa that he provided if you can pick up one of these uh, booklets, you'll read it. And it is absolutely amazing and excellent. And if you go beyond just reading what's in here to following up on the websites that he's listed, you will actually learn a whole lot about what God is doing across Africa. I want to share 
today with you, and I just want to thank you for inviting me. I'm a third-generation missionary with Africa Inland Mission. I was born here in the United States, in Chicago, but my parents took me to Colondoto, Tanzania, when I was three years old. And over time, when I was nine years old, I made my personal declaration of faith in Jesus Christ. I want to say that uh, in spite of my parents' love and their training of me in the Word of God, I had some real struggles personally knowing God's love and assurance. And this kind of leads me to my first point, talking about discipleship with intimacy. From an early age, I was exposed to the key verse for today when Jesus said to his disciples, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Later, I came to understand that a better rendering of the word go was as you are going. I like that because that accurately reflects that we are on mission at all times, wherever we go, whether it's our hometown, across the street, overseas, in our spheres of work, in our spheres of service and influence. I also came to understand that the word nations was referring to ethnic or people groups and not geographical nations. When I thought further about this task and my involvement in it, it seemed like it was completely overwhelming. So, but I've been reminded often of the words that Jesus gave to his disciples when he was getting ready to ascend into heaven. And that was, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and to the end of the earth. So I came to understand the overwhelming goal of making disciples was accompanied by the overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit to get the job done in concert with his body, the church. As I grew in Christ, I also came across Colossians 2, 13 through 15, and loved to read it over and over and over again. And that was because it was so final in its declaration about me and my freedom from guilt, shame, and the power of sin. It says, and you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions or trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Then he set aside, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 
He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. When I am free, when I fully embrace who I am in Christ and Christ in me, I am free to have a confident going on mission mindset. My growth wasn't that rapid, though. Uh, despite the liberating truth, there were many times when I struggled to feel secure and loved by God, and my experience there helped me understand why people who know the truth still need others, namely our brothers and sisters in Christ, to continually nurture and help us in applying the truth of God's word. The need for ongoing discipleship in my life and in the lives of every believer cannot be overstated. The need for continued, accurate nurture in God's word is highlighted for me in Colossians 2.18. The verse says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on on asceticism and worship of angels, going into detail about visions. While asceticism and worship of angels have never been my issues, it became clear to me that I was vulnerable to disqualifying myself at times by the things I allowed to dwell in my head. For example, rather than giving thanks for the finished work of Christ, uh, when I was listening to maybe a very stirring sermon um, with maybe uh, many invitations after it and uh, the uh, appeal to come and commit yourself more fully to Christ, uh, those uh, kinds of situations used to tie me up in knots, even though I knew I had, was committed to Christ. So an old professor just gave me some wise counsel. He said, Ted, just give thanks for what Christ has done for you during those invitations. Um, you don't need to go on another introspective journey. And that helped me a lot. All that to say that accepting Christ as Savior is just the beginning of our walk with Christ. The lifelong journey after salvation involves immersion into accurate teaching, understanding, and application of God's Word to our lives accompanied by prayer and nurture of the body of Christ. I know that the thief does come to me. It comes to you, and it comes to Christians in Africa to kill and to destroy. But in contrast, Jesus reminds all of us in John 10.10 that he has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly in him. The thief is robbing and distorting the truth of God's word all the time to prevent maturity, unity, intimacy, joy, and fullness in Christ. But God's message to all of us is that nobody needs to live 
under the influence of the thief. Discipleship leading to maturity and intimacy in Christ is our mandate. At times, getting to maturity and intimacy in Christ is a huge battle. The priority of making disciples and becoming a Christ follower and worship does not just mean having correct teaching, training, and all the right head knowledge. It's more than understanding and embracing our standing in Christ. It's allowing ourselves to be loved by Him and then expressing that love back to Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. I would like to just say that my next theme would be to talk about the gospel and Africa. The renowned pastor and speaker, John Piper, frames the biblical goal of missions as the worship of Jesus Christ among all the nations or people groups or ethnic groups. So the question would be today, how are we doing with that job in Africa? According to the Joshua Project, 26% or 962 of Africa's people groups are still unreached. An unreached people group is defined as uh, there's less than 2% of people in that group who are following Christ. It means that no indigenous community or believing Christians exist in a people group that have enough believers and resources present to evangelize that group without outside assistance, like from missionaries or outside funding. But we can see uh, from a, that our forefathers in Africa did a significant and good job of introducing the gospel to Africa. Today, 74% of the people groups in Africa are considered reached, yet there's still 26% of Africa's people groups without even a 2% group of believing Christians. And as you look at that slide up there, you will notice that there are red dots all over the, um, the north part of Africa and down the east coast uh, of Africa. And that represents the, uh, the unreached people groups, less than 2% believers. Now there are other um, dots in there. Uh, the orange dots represent those minimally evangelized or reached. The, the uh, yellow dots are superficially reached. The light green are those that are partially reached. And the green, dark green, represents those significantly reached. So yet, here you can see through this slide that there are many unreached people groups, especially among the more Islamic tribes up in the north and down the east coast of Africa. So um, 
it would be good to note that Africa has the largest Christian population in the world, about 631 million worshipers of Christ. The story of Christianity in Africa that began in a quiet corner of Alexandria, Egypt, in the first century is now a global movement of changing the world. And I'd like to just give you a few points to remember as uh, we consider Africa. Christianity in Africa dates back to the first generation of the church. Any attempt to label Christianity as the white man's religion or a European religion should be rejected. Also, Africans played a crucial role in establishing the initial doctrines from the Bible and theology, at least in an organized way, in the early church. We should stand on their shoulders in the way we seriously study the Bible. We also want to praise God for his work across Africa. His spirit has moved in many different ways through African leaders, through missionaries, through various other movements. We should rejoice in the diversity and unite around the core doctrines of our shared faith. And then we could say that the powerful African church is coming to maturity in Christ in this 21st, in the, they were coming in the 21st century. African Christians should claim their identity and mission with both boldness and humility. Boldness in proclaiming their vibrant faith in Christ and all Christians should demonstrate humility and learn from each other by working together. Churches here and in Africa and everywhere should be planted based on biblical teaching coupled with excellence and integrity backed up by organization and leadership. So now I've come to my point of where I'm, a, I'm cheerleading certain priorities of the Association of Evangelicals in Africa. For the last eight and a half years, Martha and I have served with the Association of Evangelicals in Africa on loan from AIM. We have served with AIM for over 36 years. So AEA is an umbrella organization serving 40 national evangelical alliances in 40 countries of Africa. And uh, um, AEA is having a unifying influence uh, across Africa in the common commitments to make disciples among all nations and people groups as they seek to lead this movement in holiness, justice, and transformation at every level for individuals, families, and communities, and also to impact the cultures uh, that they are involved with. I just want you to know that AEA initiatives include the founding of Bangi Evangelical School of Theology in Central Africa for Francophone Africa. It, they founded Africa International University in Kenya for Anglophone uh, Africa. Uh, 
the Christian Learning and Material Center in Kenya, the Africa Christian Television Station in Cote d'Ivoire. They have founded the Accrediting Council for Theological Education in Africa called ACTI. And so here is what I do. Uh, I'm serving AEA as a consultant in leadership development, theological training, and organizational effectiveness. And like I said earlier, I think of myself as a cheerleader for the following strategic areas and priorities, which uh, are huge for AEA. Number one is prayer. Over the years, uh, growing up and in ministry, personal prayer, group prayer, was so vital to everything. For example, when uh, I was the leader of AIM, AIM considered moving our headquarters from Pearl River, New York, to uh, Peachtree City, Georgia. And uh, before we knew where we were going, we prayed fervently, both about selling our property in New York and also buying a new property. Well, God answered those prayers as our staff and all the missionaries in Africa prayed with us and gave us uh, more money uh, than we even asked for for the sale of our property in Georgia. He also enabled us to pay for this new beautiful building, 22,000 square feet uh, in cash. We also were able to use that money to build a brand new um, activity center with a pool and other activities for our retirees in Florida. So God answered that miraculously. Also, after I came to the end of my 26 years with, uh, in the U.S. office of AIM, Martha and I took a good part of a year just to pray about what we'd do next. And uh, after considering many different things, God led us to this ministry uh, as a consultant. But Martha... Uh, was used greatly by God as a national leader trainer for Moms in Prayer in eight countries of Africa. We've also seen God provide for multiple leadership events across Africa as a result of prayer. And more recently, my encouragement and is to AEA is to ignite a movement of prayer in all of the 40 uh, alliance, national alliances across Africa and 40 countries of Africa so that uh, we can see God move in a tremendous way in establishing his church and reaching the unreached people groups that still exist and in influencing men and women and children to be disciples of Jesus Christ. I've, I'm also a cheerleader in mobilizing these 40 national evangelical alliances in 40 countries uh, to reach the unreached people, the remaining unreached people groups in Africa. I was 
able to give input into a 10-year plan covering 10 nations and 10 unreached people groups. Um, and the first project was called the Jericho Project, which got us off to an excellent start. We went to uh, the Yao people in the Yao unreached people in Malawi, and uh, we, they had a three-day medical film youth kids multi-mission evangelistic outreach, and that was last year. And they provided free medical care, prayer, intercession, and also the leading of individuals to a personal relationship with Christ. So. Uh, this happened on a daily basis for three days, and they had a 24-hour prayer chain, uh, and they had many other things such as counseling and uh, medical help for those who were sick. Well, at the end of those three days um, of planning and prayer and uh, intercession, uh, God used the speech of a nominally Muslim paramount chief of the Yao. This chief uh, co covered a tribe of two million people uh, spreading from the southeast tip of Lake Malawi to Mozambique and Tanzania. And while this par paramount chief may have been still a seeker of Jesus Christ, he was so moved by the outreach reach that he told his people that we need to go deep into the word of God and the word of Christ and believe in what Jesus did. This was amazing. So um, the, one of the heads of the National Evangelical Fellowship in Malawi said, uh, this chief has flung the doors of evangelism wide open. So. He said, since uh, the chief has opened the doors, his people can believe in Jesus, his word, and what he did, miracles that have opened the doors for spiritual healing, spiritual understanding, and, and also in following him as a disciple. Well, um, when the Yao preachers gave the invitation at the end of those three days, 550 people accepted Christ, um, and 537 of them were Muslims that were converting to uh, faith in Christ. And I, I've heard that one church has been planted since then, and uh, many of the other believers have been enfolded into existing churches. So the other place where I am uh, involved is helping believers in Africa to become biblically mature disciples in Christ. Um, and it's estimated that 85 to 90 percent of all the pastors and church leaders in Africa have little to no biblical or theological training. So the result of this is that Many of the churches and the believers in these churches remain immature 
and uh, untrained and not able to apply the Word of God accurately to their lives. So um, we have set a goal to uh, reduce the number of biblically untrained pastors and church leaders by 20% in the next three years. And of course that humanly is an impossible goal, but God is able. the majority of African pastors and church leaders do not have the time, the funds, the proximity, or freedom to leave their churches or responsibilities to go to seminary or Bible college. So while we applaud seminaries and Bible colleges and fully support them, we have had an event recently, October 1 through 4th, where we brought together by the leaders of Bible colleges and seminaries, uh, along with the providers, uh, curricula providers, of uh, non-formal or non-accredited uh, curricula, Bible and theological curricula. And uh, so there was about a hundred of them meeting in Nairobi. And uh, I don't know if you can, uh, yes, you can see some of the slides there. here. Here is uh, that group, and then uh, there's a picture of the hundred or so um, people that were there. And then there was a picture of my daughter uh, who works with a curricula provider, uh, Worldwide Discipleship Association. And she came as one of the presenters as well uh, to that conference. So all of us, united in the idea that we'll join together both the formal and non-formal theological training uh, organizations and uh, use the curricula that are available to make a huge difference in the discipleship among the churches in Africa over the next three years. So my question to all of us is, what is it, what's in it for you? So I'll answer them. Uh, One, the opportunity to pray for the Association of Evangelicals in its goals of mobilizing prayer, reaching Africa's unreached, and the goal to train 20% more pastors and church leaders across Africa in the next three years. You also have the opportunity to give in whatever ways God leads you to support these efforts, through your church here, or through Africa Inland Mission, or maybe through other means. You also have the opportunity to be the one who goes in person to reach an unreached people group, or trained pastors, or church leaders who have little to no training. My message to you today is don't get weary in sending and supporting missionaries. Don't be afraid to have new and audacious mission goals. Don't become disqualified by unbelief or by lack of courage or by lies from the evil one. Be open to the Holy Spirit leading you to be involved in reaching out and making disciples locally, in your region, or around the world, if you're not already involved. The late R.C. Sproul 
wrote, we live in a time when the secular culture and many ecclesiastical authorities dismiss the whole concept of world missions. Some claim that the time of world missionary activity is over. He said, this is pure nonsense, of course, and not supported by evidence. Modern missions provide valuable medical and educational and agricultural resources. In addition, it does the important work of preaching the gospel and making disciples. We need to remember that uh, the mission of God is always a sending program. God has given the Holy Spirit to be poured out on the church, and the church has been sent to complete the ministry of Christ in all of the world. So every tongue and every nation and every tribe might come to Christ. My question again, will you allow yourself to be infected today by God's vision for the world? Would you be willing to dream new dreams of how God could live his life through you to complete what he has started in world mission? There are still about 4,000 unreached people groups around the world, with nearly 1,000 of them in Africa, as we've seen what is your part in praying for them, reaching them with the gospel, and are providing biblical training for pastors and church leaders so that they can help form maturing disciples of Christ? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we are all on mission with you if we've trusted you as Lord and Savior. We pray that you'd continue to keep our hearts close to you, that we would always be conscious that you love us and that you are for us. And we pray, Father, that you would direct our paths into all those ways that would keep us on mission of uh, prayer, reaching the lost, reaching unreached people groups, and helping to disciple even pastors who don't know you that well. We just commit all this to you and thank you for this missions conference in Jesus' name. Amen.